Matt's hand shook as he raised the horn of Valir to his lips. It was a clear note, golden as the horn was golden. The trees around them seemed to resonate with it, and the ground under their feet, the sky overhead. That one long sound encompassed everything. Out of nowhere, a fog began to rise. First thin wisps hanging in the air, then thicker billows, and thicker until it blanketed the land like clouds. Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning! This podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Great Hunt, please proceed with caution. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapter 46 through to the end of The Great Hunt. Note, I have not read anything from The Dragon Reborn, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the next 12 books during our discussion. So if you've finished The Great Hunt, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to finish it. All right. We're done with the Great Hunt. We're going to talk about the whole thing. But first, some chapter summaries from what this section is from DragonMount.com. Rand's distraction allows Nynaeve to free Egwene. They leave Seta and Renna collared in the kennels. Bornhold begins his assault. Ingtar admits to being a dark friend and takes on a suicidal task as penance. Trapped between the White Cloaks and the Shanchan, Matt sounds the Horn of Valir. Heroes out of legend appear, including Archer Hawkwing and the famous Archer Brigitta. Perrin raises the Dragon Banner. Rand duels Balsamon, baiting him into leaving himself open by taking a wound in his side. The heroes of the Horn drive the Shanchan into the sea. Min finds Rand, alive but wounded. Selene appears, tells Min she is the Forsaken Lanfear, then vanishes again. Rand wakes and learns that his duel with Valzamon was visible to everyone in Falma. His other palm is now branded with a heron, fulfilling prophecy, and a second seal on the Dark One's prison has broken. The Shanarans acknowledge Rand as the Dragon Reborn. Rumors of the Dragon's rebirth spread across the world. So just from those summaries, it's the end of a fucking book! It is! Listening to those summaries, because I haven't read them, I never read the summaries before Will reads them, so it's always interesting to hear things, like, confirmed. What prophecy are they talking about with the heron on both palms? Twice and twice shall he be marked. <sighs> I think what the other bit is once the heron to set his path, the other to mark him true or something. When do we get that prophecy? It's It might be at the beginning. I don't remember exactly where. It does show up. And it might show up more in The Dragon Reborn, the book, not the person. (laughs) Because now we're at a point where there's a book called The Dragon Reborn and Rand is, if we didn't know it, we knew it, we know it now. But also the whole fucking world knows it now. Yeah, it's not just this thing that the audience knows and that Rand knows and that Matt and Perrin know. Well, Matt and Perrin didn't know it before. They, he told them that he's the dragon and they were just like, nah. He told them that he could channel. Okay, but he was also like, I won't be their dragon. Like, I won't. He said that. That was in the context of him and Perrin and Matt kind of assuming that the Aes Sedai were going to turn him into a false dragon because he's a man who could channel. And the Aes Sedai are, like, helping him. And that's what they think they do. They don't, but that's what they think they do. So, yeah, it's the end of a book. A whole bunch of crazy shit happens. Some things that I called. Some things that you called. I didn't. Not really that I called, but I had the the vibes were there. I caught a vibe. 
He did cut. He did catch a bug. Celine is fucking Lance Lanfear. Celine's one of the Forsaken. And I I knew I didn't trust her. I didn't know why I didn't trust her. I thought that she was just some power hungry like some random power hungry woman. Yeah, but it was also suspicious that like everyone thought that she's the most beautiful woman ever, and that felt like there was some magical shit going on there, like some sort of Vila nonsense. It actually isn't, and she's just that pretty. There's not some sort of like Vila nonsense going on. No, even She's even just the, that pretty. Even the prophecies and men are like, look out for this beautiful woman. Okay. Kind of makes me wonder if she's supposed to be a reference indirectly to, like, Helen of Troy. Okay. I mean, I, I there's a lot of... I don't know that she is, but that's an interesting parallel. Like, Helen is a famously beautiful woman who causes discord, and Lanfear is a famously beautiful woman who causes discord. You don't even know the half of it. I don't know her. anything about Lanfear. All Just I know that is she's that she's a forsaken... Daughter of the Knight. Yeah. And then I also called Ingtar, and I'm really sad that I called Ingtar. I didn't want to call Ingtar. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just like, he was just so suspicious throughout the whole book, and especially once they got near the horn, he just got even worse, and I'm just like... like, Give me the horn, give me the horn, give me the horn. But then Matt had the horn. Right. And And Ingtar did, he did redeem himself. He did, and even Rand was like, he like gave him that um, Shinaran like burial saying right. to him while he was alive. It was just it was a nice moment. Yeah, Rand clearly has taken a lot from the Borderlanders, including their sense of honor. I love it, and I think Lan would be proud. Lan would definitely be proud. I'm just gonna get this right out of the gate. <laughs> we do not see Lan in this section. Nope, he showed up when they were at that cottage with. Uh, Adelius and Vandine, and then he and hasn't then been seen in the rest of the That's it. Where is Lan? Where is Lan? Where is Lan? He's Moraine around. is there. I don't give a shit about Moraine. Where is <laughs> Lan? He's around. We'll see him again. I mean, I will love Moraine more because of Rosamund Pike, but that's just Rosamund Pike. But, like, where is Lan? Where is Lan? He's around. Hashtag where is Lan is <laughs> the ending of this book. where is Lan? <laughs> okay, yeah. He's, he's around. So let's um let's talk a little bit about Rand stuff, and then we can do the naive and Min and Bornhall and Doman stuff. Rand escapes after fighting Tarak, and he and Matt and Perrin and Ingtar are all pretty instantly in the middle of a battle between like, the White Cloaks and the Shinar. Right, the, the White Cloaks have decided to move in against the Shan Chan. The Shan Chan have are, are defending themselves, but also. Their High Lord was just killed, and in the background, Nynaeve, Egwene, and Elaine are kind of orchestrating a prison break. And Rand, Matt, Perrin, and Ingtar are all caught in the middle of this. Also, Hiran. Everybody forgets about Hiran. <laughs> they're all kind of caught in the middle of this, and they're like, we're going to die. So Ingtar runs off and suicides himself. You know, he, he ritual suicides himself to clean his soul. Yeah, he's like, I will hold them off. You go find Matt. Take the horn, run. He makes a bunch of noise. He just just continuously yells out the light and Shinawath. Yeah. Which is a way to go, especially if you have been evil the whole time. But it does make me wonder when he became evil. Always. He was always evil. He was always a dark friend. So at the beginning, when Rand is trying to escape and Ingtar tells him that the doors are, are locked and nobody's allowed out, there's no order. 
He was just straight up lying to keep Rand there. Because later, Agomar is like, there wasn't an order for that. Right. I mean, when in his life did he become oh, a dark friend? Quite early, I think. It's not, for especially for a borderlander, it's not necessarily the type of thing that people come to in the, like, prime of one's life. Because Ingtar says that he became a dark friend because he thought that that would be a better way to stop the constant dread of living in the Borderlands. Like, the Borderlands are doomed. In his lifetime, he's seen Malkir entirely fall to the light. Yeah. And so, to Ingtar, him becoming a Dark Friend wasn't that he was serving the Dark One necessarily. It was just kind of a desperate choice to try and make things better. That's fair. Which makes me sad. Yeah. I think I think he sufficiently redeems himself. And that's also why he was so affected coming out of the Portal Stone. Because he just saw all these different versions and he's just like, I made a bad choice. Right. Because he's like, I, yeah, he did say that like he saw versions of himself where he didn't make that choice. And so it's like, clearly this wasn't the only choice I could have made. Right. If it was like Rand and every version he lost. Right. So clearly now he knows either I lose... Always, or this is the one time I get it right. Yeah, you lose to the Dark One, or you win, and there's it's... no in-between. Rand knows there's... It's like a 50-50 shot. He's like, 50-50 chance I either win or die. Yeah. Like... 50-50 chance it happens or it doesn't. But Ingtar's... Ingtar, had... Ingtar is not Tavirin and has a life. Yeah. Like, he has choices that he can make that are impactful on the future for him. Rand and Matt and Perrin don't have the, that same freedom. Although, I mean, going back to the Matt and the Portal Stones, like, clearly either in all of them, Matt saw himself portraying Rand in some way, or just in just enough, enough of, of them. them. So, like, he does have some choice if he's seen that now and can make a choice not to. Yeah, that does kind of lead to an interesting question of, like, how many of those, like, if they were to travel back through, what would they see now that they've seen what can happen? Like, I don't think they saw every possible life, because Rand is a very powerful channeler, but he's not god. Although there, I think there are a little bit of parallels, just as I talked about betraying, it makes me think of, like, the people who, you know, Jesus was like, you will betray me, and they're like, no, I won't. Right. But then, they do. Yeah. So, there's some, like, parallel that could be possibly made there. Yeah. Um, and it's actually really interesting that you brought that up. There, There is some stuff later that I, I hope I remember this conversation when we, when we get to this, because... There are some very interesting parallels there with a few different things that come back up. Um, so hopefully I'll remember it and we can talk about them. It won't happen for several books, unfortunately. So I probably won't. Anyway, they're around this battle and Matt decides, fuck it, I'm not going to die. We have the Horn of Valir and he blows it. His logic is just some beautiful logic. Because he's like, you know, they just say that the horn has to be there at the last battle. They didn't say it couldn't be blown beforehand. And then he just blows the horn. Yeah, just he just like... casually is like, I'm going to blow the horn of Valir. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and so he blows the horn of Valir and like a hundred ghosts show up. Including Archer Hawkwing. Which yeah. I was like, I don't understand because so he's supposed to be a villain and these are supposed to be heroes. So there's a few things going on here. The heroes are very, very interesting. So the heroes are all people from, like, legend and myth. Mm -hmm. So some of what you interpret about Arthur Hawkwing could have been distorted by the large period of time in between him living and the time you're reading it. So that's one thing. The other is that, and 
Balsamon kind of hints at this, uh, I think in the Eye of the World, maybe in The Great Hunt, that he basically whispered in Archer Hawkwing's ear and corrupted him. So he was... He was a good man corrupted by evil. Mm. And the other thing is that the Shan are just descendants of Archer Hawkwing and not a literal representation of what he stood for. Yeah, because I think that's where it was coming from. I couldn't remember where, what the connection was like. Why do I feel like Archer Hawkwing is a bad person? Yeah, so... Ar- but all Archer of his Hawkwing's... references are so spread out that I forget about them. Yeah. And because every time he's brought up, I'm like, eh, he doesn't matter. Arthur but... Hawkwing. <laughs> but now he does. Because yeah. he's actually... He's a hero of the horn. And now he's actually a character. Yeah. So he has lines. He does have lines. And he's just, he's like, he's very kingly and regal. He's just going to be hanging around. Oh, no, no, I'm no. They, they disappear. The heroes are gone by the time Rand wakes back up. But is that it? Are they are they done? Can Matt they, call them again? Yeah, like you can blow the horn as many times as you want. Oh, okay. I thought it was kind of like a one and done. Like No. But that being said, in the fight between Rand and Balsamon, there is an important piece of information revealed, which is Balsamon thinks Rand blew the horn. He does. And Rand's just like, you don't know everything, but I'm not going to tell you you don't know everything. Right. And so... And I think it's also just a moment of like him realizing that like this is a fallible being. Right. Like this this is a fallible being and I can win. Yes, yes it is. What? Uh, I hadn't fully put that together, but uh, there's some oddities around Balsamon here. But like, yeah, because it's just like, I think at least to Rand, he just kind of always assumed that this was just this like... This evil god. This evil god. And he's clearly not a god because... Right. He doesn't know things. He doesn't know things. He, he thinks... Didn't, he didn't know who was who at the end of the Eye of the World until Rand channeled. Right. And he... But he didn't know that. Rand didn't. He... When he had the figurines, he was like, oh, he doesn't know who we are. He knows that it's one of us, but he doesn't know who each one of us is. Mm, true. Um, just so, yeah, it's just so, like... But yeah, so my point here is that Rand can't... Uh, not Rand. Matt can't just go around blowing the horn because it reveals him as the horn sounder. So he has to be, like, picky and choosy. Right. Kind of, like, I feel like they're going to end up, all three of them, pretending to be each other. Okay. In a way. Because, like, there was Perrin just taking just taking the banner. That is going to be real hard to do. N- now it is. But, like, maybe to cover for Matt, Rand can pretend to be the one who blew the horn. Yeah. And yeah, maybe. for a split second, Perrin was kind of taking on the mantle of the dragon to use the banner. Yeah. Like, or at least associating himself with yeah. the dragon. So there is one other thing about the Heroes of the Horn that I want to talk about. It's, it's a minor thing, but the Heroes of the Horn are all, like, distorted and twisted and, like, time-changed people from history. Like, actual people from history. Uh, Archer Hawkwing is, I, I've mentioned this before, he's basically Alexander the Great. He conquered a large amount of space, died without an heir, and his empire fractured. Brigitta, the, the woman with the, like, silver arrows and mm-hmm. the, like, long blonde braid, Annie Oakley. I hate Annie Oakley. She, she's a, like a Western gun person. Ah. Um, so they're all. That's just. It's it's just an interesting thing. They're all people from history. Um, borrowing. Yeah, sort of borrowing in a in a I guess unique I mean, way. Retelling. It's a, yeah. it's a retelling. Yeah. I mean, but a retellings are borrowing details. Like. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I love retellings. Like, <laughs> love them. We'll read a whole bunch of them. Yeah. So th- that was really the only thing about the Heroes of the Horn. They, I mean, they fuck shit up. Like, a hundred of them drive back the Shan Chan. Yeah. Because and they probably the White Cloaks, too. We don't the, really know The White Cloaks happens. just kind of get smashed to bits by the Shan Chan. Because the Shan Chan have Demane. What's, what's a conventional army going to do against five Demane? 
Yeah, that's because true. Nynaeve lets Egwene out of the collar, and Egwene just fucks everything up around her by making it explode. She hulks out. In a big way. She's like she's gotten like a very quick and dangerous power boost by being Demonic because they were basically like forcing her to channel above her ability in more complex ways than she ever has before, but in a sort of controlled way because the Soldom was doing it. Yeah, so it's kind of a way for her to overtest her power without necessarily volcanoing. Right. I don't know if women can volcano, but... Women can volcano. It's the one power. Anybody can volcano. But yeah, so it's like a way to overtest her power without volcanoing. Right. And so now she's got this big power boost and she's just like, let me let them see what they forced me to learn. And just like explodes half the city. And it's kind of badass. Oh, yeah. No, it is. And they absolutely deserve it. Um, They do. Uh, We've touched on it so we can go back to it. When Nynaeve and Elaine and Min are kind of just, like, going through the houses, and they're going through, like, very unnoticed. No one's looking at them. Yeah, well, it's a Soldom and a Demane. Yeah, they're just, like... As far as they know. They don't know that it's a Demane and a Soldom flipped. Yeah. Or, I suppose the actual term that they would call Nynaeve is Marath Demane. Yes. One who is supposed to be chained and is not. Yes. But, so they're just, like, going through the house unnoticed, and they come across, they come across Egwene. Yep. And she's like, I know I'm not dreaming. This is a, <laughs> it's just, like, this one little funny moment in the entire section, which is not funny at all. Nothing good happens. Nothing, like, lighthearted really happens. Nope. Except for this moment and one moment at the end with Loyal, but it's Loyal. So, of course, there's a lighthearted moment. And the queen's just like, I know I'm not dreaming, because if I was dreaming, then you'd be Rand and Galad on giant horses. <laughs> just like... All right. She knows what she wants. She knows what she wants. She wants freedom to explode the Sean Chan, and also shirtless men on horses. I, she and didn't I'm, say shirtless. I'm assuming she meant... I'm assuming uh, they're shirtless. shirtless. And like... You know, hair blowing in the wind, yeah. like Fabio. Like, yeah. they're, if they're not shirtless... I mean, Galad is basically Fabio. If they're not shirtless, they've at least got the deep V. Actually, Rand is definitely Fabio. If you've ever looked at the original copy, or the original cover art for Lord of Chaos. I love that cover so much. I love all the Rands. They're all, it's all so bad, but I love all the Rands on the, the cover art. You mean uh, Nicolas Cage Rand Nick and Cage Fabio Rand. Rand? Yeah, and like weird... Vest wearing Rand. Yeah, well, shirtless vest. Yeah, it's well, like weird. Sleeve, or sleeveless vest. Well, that's a vest. That's like he doesn't have a shirt underneath it. No. Yeah. So yeah, actually, shirtless vest. He's just wearing a vest. Yeah. Arms on display. Yeah. So yeah, they they get benefited by Rand causing chaos because they're able to just sneak through. They find right. Egwene. They uncollar her, and Egwene just like she smacks Rena on the head with a pitcher. It came back. <laughs> it came back. No, she doesn't smash her on the head. She smashes her in the stomach and then mm. collars her. Oh, right, And right. then proceeds to torture her. And Nynaeve's like, maybe stop? It's like, they deserve it, but chill. we got to get out of here. <laughs> and then Egwene like, immediately just, like, collapses into Nynaeve's arms. And is yeah. like, you don't know what they did. Yeah, Egwene's been through some shit. Yeah, I uh, feel really bad Oof. for Egwene. Yeah. We learn something very interesting about Soldom here. We do, and it's, and that's... It was a question you had before, which is, what's a soldom? 
And how does it work? Because Min said that this isn't supposed to work. And right. Egwene puts it together. She's like, they can channel. They weren't born with the ability to channel. They right. were taught to channel in order to... Well, they weren't taught to channel. They just can. So Soldom are the women who have... Well, they were inadvertently taught to channel because they were for... they were taught yeah. how to be a Soldom. Yeah. And so they need... They basically, like, leached the ability to channel from... Demane. No, they have the ability. They have the ability all on their own. They're the women who. So back in the eye of the world, Moraine says that there are basically two type of two types of women who can channel. There are women like Egwene and Nynaeve and Elaine who are born with the spark in them, who will start to channel no matter what. So they're. I mean, it doesn't matter what they what they do. They're gonna be able to channel, and it's gonna come out of them no matter what. Then there are women more like Els Grinwell who don't have the ability. They don't have that like spark in them that's gonna cause them to channel. But they have the ability to learn how to channel. They have the ability. It just needs to be coaxed out. Yeah. And so Soldom are these women who can be coaxed out, and and so they test for the women with the spark, and those become Demane, and those who can control the demonic because they have the ability to channel, but it's not quite as on the surface, becomes sold on. And that's why the collar is able to work. Right. And so they realize this and leave them collared. Yep. And I guess the Soldom know this but don't know this and it's like this unspoken secret that each of them know they can channel. But They're they... shocked about it. Because remember, Seta and Rena are both just like, what is happening? I just interpreted that as like, I think like they're shocked but because they weren't letting themselves realize that they can do it. And then when Egwene and Nynaeve kind of say it and they're like, well, we hope that... <laughs> Nynaeve's like... I really hope that when someone finds you, they take pity on you and keep your secret. But if they don't, that's justice. And so that makes me think that someone in these houses know that the Soldom can channel. I am or, a bit more skeptical the, of it, of that. Or that at least, like, the old, the Dom, whatever the leash is. The Adam. The Adam. Or they know that the Adam only works on someone who can channel. So then by the fact that the collar is on them, yeah. it means that they can channel and then they'll all put that together. I, I think that that bit is, is potentially true. Um, I don't necessarily think that that's something that the Sean Chan as, a, as like, a culture think about. Because they don't have a culture of, like, learned women who can channel. Right. In the mainland, we have the Aes Sedai, who are this organization that has dedicated themselves to learning how to control Sidar and teach women how to control Sidar in a safe way. And so they have kind of developed this understanding of how people can channel. Whereas in Shanchan, their culture is you can either control the Soldam, or you, you can either be a Soldam and you can control, or you are a Demane and you have to be leashed. And they're, they're just, they don't think about the two as being the same, so they don't look even subconsciously for connections between mm. them. This might rock them a little bit because it's Soldam. Because there's, there's two Soldoms that are leashed. It's not just one. So right. if it was just one, they could throw it as a one off. I can, but defi- if it's... Well, I can definitely also see it as. See somebody spinning it as, oh, well, these are just two Demane who managed to trick people into thinking that they were Soldom. That's possible. They know that there's a connection between the Soldom and the Demane. They just don't know exactly what it is. I really hope that they uh, don't just... I mean, it, it, it will be a major cultural upheaval for the Sean Chan. I hope that that happens because yeah. this is a barbaric practice. Absolutely. A few other things happen. In, yeah, so they leave... 
Um, they were going to leave Bella, but then they get separated because Egwene, like, hulks out. Yep. And there's two quick sections, one in Domon's perspective. He's like, I'm not going to leave until I absolutely have to because I promised that I would take them away. Right. He the, ends up leaving. He ends up leaving, which is fair. Fair. The, everyone's like, fair. Ghosts. I, there were ghosts. <laughs> I can just imagine Domon being like, there be ghosts. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm sorry. There do be ghosts. <laughs> And then Bornhold is basically like, bye-bye, R. I'm Domon's, go. Domon's aged grandmother is a hero of the horn. And Not then, actually. I'm just joking. And then Bornhold is like... Charge. Bye-bye, R. Yeah. I'm going to go die now. Yeah. Because there's no way he got out of that alive. We also later get a quick section in Byar's perspective where he's like, I'm running to go do the thing. Yep. And then that's all I really got from that. Uh, he basically thinks it's, it's the fault of the Aes Sedai, which is very far from the truth. Yeah. Also, sort of... I mean, it sort of is very far from the truth, but also isn't. It's a weird statement in that there's channeling involved. It's Sean Chan mostly. Some of the chaos is caused by Rand, who was basically set on this path, one by birth, but also by Moraine and Varen. And also Nynaeve, Elaine, and Egwene contributed to the chaos. Yeah. So the Aes Sedai aren't uninvolved in this? It's not the Aes Sedai. It is specific. It's not just, it's not the Aes Sedai as like a group. It is some Aes Sedai are responsible. The White Cloaks is the same thing. They have no semantics, but semantics. Yeah. So yeah, that happens. And then the horn is blown and Rand fights Balzaman, which we later learn that whole fight is, like, projected into the sky. Yeah, that's weird. Balzaman has, like, a staff, and they're fighting with a staff, and it's pretty even, and Rand decides, I'm gonna let him stab me so that I can stab him. There is something that you're overlooking in that when they're talk- when he's talking with Balzaman, uh-huh. Balzaman says something about those who would save you are being carried across the Arth Ocean. Okay. Who recently talked about people needing to be carried across the Arth Ocean for her master? I mean, that would be Leandrin and Suroth. And who's talking about people who would need to save him being carried across the Arth Ocean? That would be Balzaman. Leandrin is Black Aja. Okay. That's that, a take. That is like... like. I mean, it's it's... Very, it would be, it's a very, very strange coincidence. I am as certain with this as I was when I just read the description of Lanfear and was like, most beautiful woman. <laughs> oh, it's Celine. Yeah. I am equally no, as... Lan, uh Leandrin's Black Aja. Yeah, no, they. she's Black Aja. This yeah. is like, this, this is one of those things where it's like, we're going to leave it up to interpretation in this book and then in the next book we're going to be like, yeah, yeah, she's Black Aja. Or, and like... Yeah, Selene is Lanfear, same person, done. Yeah, yeah, no, Selene is Lanfear, Leandrin is Black Aja. Yep, which means the Shan Chen are dark I, friends. She did basically, I mean, she did lie to the girls. She did, and I said I don't lie. I said I do not lie. Although she did say, we are going to where you need to be. That's true, that isn't and, really and a lie. And she did say that Rand was in trouble. Rand was in trouble. And that they needed to go to Rand. She she said that they needed to go to Rand, not to help Rand, but they needed to go to where Rand would be. I don't remember the exact line, but one of the lines struck out to me as a lie. I don't remember what it was that Leandrin said, but one of them I was like, that's a lie. That's a hint. So Black Aja can lie? Clearly. Because, like, this is a little bit into the, what I've seen from the trailers from the show, too. But, mm. like, when the eyes that I take their oaths, they, they hold on to a weird stick. Yep. And the stick has, like, lights coming out of it 
So I'm assuming there's some sort of magical bond. So it's not just that they say they're not going to lie. They actually literally I feel like they lie. literally cannot lie. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's like a very, 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 very minor spoiler. It was going to happen with the show. So. I said I are literally incapable of telling something that is a lie. That's why in book one, when Moraine and Lan go to, when, when they take the the Emmons Fielders to the inn, and she's giving them a fake name. She doesn't tell them, my name is Mistress Alice. She says, you can call me Mistress Alice. Yep. That's not a lie. They can call her whatever they want. <laughs> well, it's just, it's kind of like how you get around with, like, you know, you never give a fairy your name. Yeah. So, like, you can, if you if a fairy asks your name, you, you can yeah. call me this. Right. Or if you really don't want your name anymore, tell them your name and then you get to get rid of it. Right. I am known by is another one you can do. Yep. People can know you by different things that aren't your name. Yep. I have online aliases. Yeah. So it's a thing. But I guess something about the Black Aja makes it so that you can physically tell a lie. Yeah. Something about that. Yeah. Because if she did lie, then like there is something there. Yeah. So that's interesting. But yeah, Leandrin is a bitch. <laughs> if we didn't know that already, she's Black Aja. And that means all of the Shan Chen are also dark friends. Not necessarily. Their leader is so, and they're all like worshiping her. A and... high lady is. That's not the same. Like, we don't know that Turek was a dark friend. Turek probably wasn't a dark friend. Weren't they married though? No. No? High no. lady and high lord? No, that's just a title. Okay. Turek probably wasn't a dark friend. He was collecting and displaying the seals to the Dark One's prison and didn't know what they were. That's fair. He was dealing with Padden Fane as though he were a petty criminal. We do also get some more information about Padden Fane. He gone. He gone. But also, we or not really more information because it's something that we already kind of assumed. Just a confirmation. Just a confirmation that like whatever happened to Padden Fane when he was a dark friend and then absorbed Mordeth, but he's not Mordeth. He is just the most evil being. Yeah. He's he's super evil. He's worse than Balsamon. It's basically Debatable. what Moraine says. Debatable, but he is real fucked up. That's basically what she says, though. It's like... He's more he's a more tangible evil than Balsamon. True. Like, he's a person. He can go out and interact with the world directly, and Balsamon seems to have trouble with that, in that he really only appears to Rand in dreams or in final battles. Right. And, I mean, he's died twice, and yeah. so he's going to come back. died. The first time he ba- he exploded. The second time he didn't die, he just got, I mean, he got exploded, but he lived through it. Because he has scars from it. If he fully died, he the first time? Right. The first time, he didn't die, die. He just had scars from it. And I'm, assuming he's, died, I'm assuming he's going to just have a big old sword-shaped. Maybe. I mean, he's not, he's, he's cosmic evil. He's not a not necessarily a person right like he got stabbed through the heart but yeah. like he's not dead no because moraine's like do you think a sword could kill him right and i also think there's some weird like i want to say like not horcrux situation thing going some on that weird but... dream stuff was happening here too because they were in the sky right but i think that like the seals are breaking every time rand kills Balsamon. You think he has to kill him five more times? I think or he six I think, more times. I think he like all of the seals has to be broken before he can finally kill Balsamon the final time. Kind of like okay. you have to defeat all the Horcruxes before you can kill Voldemort. Because okay. some part of him will still be alive. I also wonder, does him killing Balsamon in these final battles, is that what breaks the seal? Is it actually Rand breaking these seals? 
I'm unintentionally. If we have anything, I'm wondering if there's any hint to that. Because there's been two seals that have broken, there and happened. both of them were right after Rand thought he killed Baltimore. That's true. Because they, they open the chest with the horn, and there's a broken one in it. And then Morgan's like, here's another broken one. Yeah. Here you go, Rand. Stop holding hands with men and open this yeah. bag. I don't necessarily think that that's it at this point. Because when they have the intact seal, they mention that it's softer than it should be. So it was weakening. Yeah. And so it was just some sort of Right. Thing it's that... supposed to be Queen DR, which is indestructible. And now it's like you could cut it with a knife. Okay, but I feel like there is something to be said about the fact that... Yeah, I mean, what you said could still be true. It could be both. It's not that he's actually really, like, breaking it, but... Yeah, he's using it, sort of. Yeah, like, there's something that, like, Balsamon is finally corporeal enough. Okay. There's just, I feel like there's a connection between these final battles and a seal being broken. Yeah, I mean, you, you very well may be right about that. Because it just seems that, like, if... If it had been that, like, oh, shit, the seal's broken. There's Balsamon. I'm going to go stab him now. There's cause and effect there. There, ha- I feel like there's a cause and effect relationship between Balsamon appearing and to Rand and the seal's breaking. Okay. And because he, they point. don't find, like, because we don't know when the seal breaks, you... right now what I'm assuming is that it's... Broke as a result of the fight. Right. Not that the seal finally broke, so he was able to come. Okay. There, It's either one. Very, very we just good don't. Points. We haven't watched a seal break. Yeah. There hasn't been that causal link, but I think there is a causal link. Very, very good points. But. Yeah, so the, yep. the fight ends with Rand kind of recalling Land's teachings about stabbing yourself on your opponent's sword. Sheathing the sword. And he lets Balsamon stab him so that he can stab Balsamon through the chest. And Balsamon, like, explodes and runs away. And I think there's, like, an interesting parallel there, too, because it's the... He w- he does it with the move that Ingtar was like, why are you doing that? It's leaving Heron, you open. Heron waiting in the rushes. And so he does that move and it leaves him open for him to be able to stab Balsamon. And I think it's just especially interesting that Ingtar was the one to point out that you're leaving yourself open. Yeah. And Ingtar literally just suicided himself too. Right. So I think there's just like some interesting, there's yeah. just an interesting parallel there. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Rand is left in pretty bad shape, though. I mean, he yes. did, he got stabbed through the side by, like, an evil staff. Right. And so... Uh, so Min shows up. Min shows up. And it's like, oh, hey, you're almost dead. She finds him because the spray is gone. Yeah, dumb on left. Spray is gone. Yeah. Dumb on left. No one blames him. No one blames him. Except Nynaeve will blame him. Yeah, well... And then she finds Rand. The hair and sword is melted. It was a power wrought sword and it melted. Oh, uh, and he's just like... Which kind of, it kind of, I guess, sort of reinforces to me that like, Bal- that pr- it probably didn't kill Balsamon. It probably just hurt him. Yeah, because it melted. Right. And like, so Min drags him to like this random house and she's like trying to get like, because he's like cold. Yeah. She's like, he- he's breathing, so he's not dead, but he feels like a dead body. So like, we gotta like mm-hmm. do something. And so she, like, puts him into bed. She lights a fire. She's like, she he's so into, cold. She gets into bed with him. Well, he's, she's got to, like, warm him <laughs> back up. And then Egwene comes in. And Min's like, it's not what it looks like. Why am I making it seem like it is what it looks like? There's literally <laughs> nothing happening here. Right. And Egwene gets a little jealous. And then Min throws some shade. She's like, he's, and because Egwene's like, you know, you can't marry him, right? You know what he is. And she's like, why does it matter to you? You're the one who tossed him aside. <laughs> you threw him away for the White Tower. Why do you care? 
My goddamn men, chill a little bit. I love men. She's got some fighting words. <laughs> She's got some fighting words. I mean, Egwene was kind of being a little bitchy. Well, yeah, it's Egwene. <laughs> But Min's like, she's very much like, oh, I can't, I, Min, I almost expect her to be like, oh, I can't marry him, huh? Well, just see, I don't even like him, but now I'm going to. <laughs> that would be a very Min thing to do. I, that's why I love Min. But yeah. Before Egwene shows up, Lanfear shows no, up. No, Egwene first. Egwene leaves to go find Nynaeve. Oh, okay. I got the timeline. Egwene goes up. to find Nynaeve and Min wants to go with her. But then Min's like, no, I can't. This is how it's supposed to be. This is how I saw it. Right. And Lanfear said And hi. she's she also says something about seeing she's like, This is your fault. She's just talking to Rand. Yeah. Rand can't hear her. She's like, this is your fault. And then she talks about seeing another woman in his future and wondering if he will juggle her and Egwene and this other woman yeah. that they that she is yet to meet. So love square going on here. There's a love with square. With Min, Egwene, and mystery third woman. Which kind of calls to, like, she saw three women mm-hmm. in a vision for Rand. Nope. Standing over his funeral pyre. Don't know what's happening yeah. there. But she sees three women in his life. Yep. And... We've had two, we've had three women now come into his life, Mm -hmm. but the third one, like who I would think is Elaine, apparently not Elaine, because she is yet to come into Rand's life. What I think is happening here is that Min knows her and she is assuming Egwene. Yeah, I read that as she saw it as Egwene. No. She's just assuming Egwene? Yeah. And then one other person that she's yet to figure out. That that they haven't met. Uh-huh. That Rand hasn't met. That Rand specifically hasn't met. that Rand hasn't met. And it's just I find that a little interesting because there's also the prophecy about Elaine sharing her husband with two other women. Yeah. Which is why I just connected her and like I was like, ah, three, three. Same love square. Three. Same love square. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not the same love square. Maybe not. Or maybe she's assuming Egwene and it's Elaine and it is the same love square. There's ambiguity here. There's ambiguity here. Good shit for a prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently Min's starting to nurse some sort of weird prophetical crush. Because it's, it's like... A bit odd. They did get along in the inn in Verlon. They did. I mean, but like, it didn't. that didn't strike me as like a I think you're cute kind of thing. No. I feel like... Min is falling suspect to, like, the... I mean, like, you know, you're, like, an attractive guy, but, like, you're not really my type. A but self-fulfilling I guess, prophecy. It's like, a, yeah, she's like, well, I saw <laughs> it, so I guess it happens. Yeah. I feel like Min's very susceptible to that. Because she can see the future a little bit. Right. So I feel like if she hadn't seen it, she probably wouldn't be starting to nurse this crush on Rand. Yeah. But then Lanfear shows up, and Lanfear's like, you have fun with him. He's mine. Yeah. In a very icy, icy way. Because she's just not even concerned with Min. Holding Rand tighter. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what the fuck's that going to do against Lanefear? But Lanefear's just not even concerned because she's like, Luz Theron is mine. She refers to him by... Lose Theron. By lose Theron. Well, and she probably, if she is forsaken, she has some sort of extra power. She already knows Rand is thirsting after her. <laughs> so, like, she's like, of course she's like, yeah, I got this in the bag. Like, what? I don't have to compete with you. Right. You wear pants half the time. Like, I am this beautiful <laughs> woman. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Small men bit. We got a, I like that we got like a handful of Min POVs in the last bit of this book. Yeah, I it makes me like Min more because at least like like you know that she's freaked out by her prophecies too. Yeah, because when we first met her, she's just like la da da da. Here's some creepy visions. Here's Bye. a bloody sword hanging over your head. <laughs> 
bye. <laughs> like, oh, that was fun. Goodbye now. And I'm just yeah. like, you creepy. But she's not. She's like, no. it's probably just some sort of like coping mechanism that she's like, okay, bye now. I just saw a creepy thing. Right. I know when people are gonna die. I can't get it. I can't be anything but. I'm getting like, a little bit snarky the whole time. Into like book three. I think we're gonna see more from Min because okay. she's one of the people who stays with Rand. Yep. Because when Rand wakes up five days later, he wakes up two men. Mm-hmm. Like at his bedside. Yep. Do love that trope though. The trope. trope. The trope of like. You know, one person's like mortally wounded okay. and then wakes up to the person who's been sleeping in a chair next to them for five days yeah. and like just to watch over them. It's yep. like, yes, this is a, this is a grand trope. Mm-hmm. And when he wakes up, we learn that that's when we learn that everybody knows he's the dragon reborn now. Yes, because they all saw the battle in the sky. They all saw the battle in the sky and it's been five days. He's been unconscious for five days. Yep. Also, Moraine is here again. And then that's that. She's the one who tells him that like everyone saw that you're the dragon. Don't bother denying it. Yeah. And he's like, you and Baron just keep trying to control me. And she's like, I didn't send Baron. She did that on her own. Yeah. I guess, and I kind of just love it because it's like no one can control Baron. No, Baron's just her <laughs> not own even her warder. <laughs> Does she reunite with her warder? <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> where is Tomas? <laughs> Not where is Lan. We know Lan's off on some mission. Where did Varen leave Tomas? <laughs> Poor Tomas. Is he just like sitting in an inn being like, where'd Varen go? <laughs> no, he was at the White Tower. I remember them saying that like, Tomas is now distraught because Varen disappeared <laughs> and she didn't even bring him with her. So he's probably... Is, is he sitting in the White Tower? chilling in the White Tower? Twiddling his thumbs <laughs> being like, where'd my ass and I go? <laughs> It's the sad boy version of Lan. <laughs> losing it. <laughs> I don't. I. I love Tomas. <laughs> he hasn't had a line. He hasn't, he hasn't spoken. He's just been sad. He hasn't spoken. <laughs> yeah. So um, Maureen shows up. <laughs> Maureen shows up. And then land free. Land no free. land. Well, that we know. He just isn't in that scene. Why isn't he in that scene? He's he li- he, need to be. He really likes Rand. He, you don't think Rand, you don't think he would be checking up on his son? He probably did. But then when he knew he was going to wake up, he was like, I'm going to go be elsewhere because nobody can see me be emotive. I'm going to be a stone. Maybe he is. Maybe he's a rock under the tent. <laughs> Disguised. Sword, Sword Dad has to have checked in on Sword Son. I'm sure he did. I also really need Lan to somehow find out that Rand beat a sword master. Yeah. I just, I, that is not my book three prediction because I feel like it would be too quick for that information to come out. Rand has much, much bigger things going on now than suddenly being blade master. But if this series does, if this series ends without Lan finding out that Rand is a, is a blade master, I will riot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will riot. I actually cannot remember if that's the case or not. Just like I will riot if Lan and Nynaeve don't get married. Okay. Noted. I will prepare the house. (laughs) Will riot. (laughs) I have a dagger. (laughs) Yep. One more thing happens. Two more things happen. Perrin and Loyal have stayed behind. Yes. Perrin just kind of because he doesn't know where to go. Yeah, Loyal's like, I'm your friend. I'm going to stay. It is interesting that Perrin didn't go with Matt. 
Because he could, he had, he, it's not that he didn't know where to go, it's that he had two options. He didn't go with Matt. Yeah. Uh, I think Perrin is scared of the Reds finding out that he's a wolf brother because Elias told him to be. That's fair. So Perrin's like, I'm going to stay, like, I'm going to, you know who's going to want to stay really far away from the Reds? Rand. Right. <laughs> we can do that together. And like, Moraine might be an Aes Sedai, but she is, in a way, she's more upfront with them than any Aes Sedai has been, where she's pretty on the face of it, like... Because she's Gandalf. She's she's Gandalf. Uh, here, she, I mean, she's... This book, she's really started to not be Gandalf, where she's like, I am manipulating you. I am trying to get you to do the things that I think you need to do. And it's really... At that point, it's not really manipulating. It's just, I am just telling... Like, because manipulation yeah. implies that, like, the person who's being... Well, it is and it isn't. Um, it's but, a tactic. She's taking it. Yeah, but, so, like, it, it instills a little bit more, I think, faith in her from Perrin. Where Perrin's like, I know at least that Moraine isn't going to actively try and hurt me. Yeah. And I think that it's going to be interesting seeing Perrin and Loyal stay yeah. with them. And Loyal's just like, I mean, you're, you're even more severe than I thought you were. You're the fucking Dragon Reborn. You're the fucking Dragon Reborn, but you're still my friend. So yeah. I'm going to stick around. Yeah. And it's just... So wholesome. And we do get that with Perrin staying and Loyal staying, we get those two direct comparisons of, like, Perrin is staying with the Dragon Reborn partially because, like, he's known Rand his entire life. So he's like, I am choosing to still be your friend partially because of our shared history and partially just because... I don't think that you're going to be crazy. Loyal didn't meet him all that long ago. And so, like, we get that comparison of, like, person who's known them for 20 years staying. Right. Versus a person who met them a month and a half ago staying despite finding out the same information. Right. Loyal's just, Loyal is shaped like a friend. Loyal is shaped like a friend. We must protect Loyal at all costs. The other thing that happens is that all of the Shinarans kneel and swear fealty to Rand. Yep. They're like... When the dragon comes, he breaks all bonds of men and sets everything, set like, clears the slate. We are no longer, we, we don't consider ourselves to be bound by our oaths, by our previous oaths. Now we are re-swearing to you as the Lord Dragon. Yep. So he's got an army now. A small one. He's got, he's got, it, he's Shinarans. got an army. He's got some friends. He's got a potential girlfriend. Because Min's hanging out. Min's hanging out. <laughs> Min didn't go with her other friends. She nope. chose to stay with Rand, which I think is interesting. That's why I think we're going to get more of her in the she next did, book. She didn't want to be in the White Tower to begin with. She, she re- Again, she really only trusts Moraine. She was only in the White Tower because Moraine was like, you should go to the White Tower. But like, I know you're in burned down, but you should go to the White Tower. You know, she's like, I, I, I could have understood her wanting to just go back to be with Nynaeve, Elaine, and yeah. Egwene. Because like, they they're her friends now. They're good friends. But she stays with Rand, yep. so I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested to see some Min and Perrin interactions because I feel like they'd be fun friends. Okay. Like, they've got, like, I feel like they've got an energy that would vibe. They do, yeah. I I mean, they both got, like, strange, not one power supernatural things happening to them. Right. That they don't really want. Yeah. So I think there's going to be some interesting things because, I mean, she saw a wolf with Perrin. She did. So maybe she's going to be able to figure that out if she spends more time with him. Like, oh, maybe. that's what that means. Got it. Cool. Yep. I mean, your secret's safe with me, but, like, you could talk to me about it. Yeah. Because, like, I've seen your future. Yeah. So what's the harm? <laughs> Definitely. So that was, that was all the stuff from this section. Uh, now let's talk about some whole book things. I think there is one more interesting thing. I don't know if we mentioned oh. it, that 
Rand's wound has to heal on his own. Yeah, it can't be healed with the one power. Yep. It's got some evil in it. Yeah. So it's going to have to. What's happening? Men's like, you're just going to have to heal on your own. Yeah, that is an interesting thing that I almost forgot about. It's a very interesting thing. Uh, But so, whole book things. One, what did you think? I liked it. It was a good book. It moves very fast. I does the pacing. The pacing is good. We get more character point of views so that I don't start to get annoyed with one. Yeah. The problem that I had with Eye of the Eye of the World is that I was just starting to get annoyed staying in Rand's head. Yeah. And there wasn't anything that pulled me back from that annoyance, which is why it was more of like a three star like. If okay. I ever did a reread of Wheel of Time, I don't know that I'd go back to Wheel. I don't know that I'd go back to the Eye of the World. It is different when you've read the whole thing. Like it, it's good. I'd recommend it, but with caveats that like okay. it's kind of a slog to get through. Great Hunt is just good. Yeah, like it's not. I like it. It's not spectacular. Like I'm not like oh my god, this is like my new favorite book, and the, I would love it, pacing, and, I'm gonna, and I'm definitely going to reread it. The pacing is better, but, but it is a little weird. In that everything starts to happen all at the same time. Yeah, I think that something that, like, detracts it from being, like, a five-star book for me, which, you know, means that, like, I'm definitely going to reread this at some point, or, like, I will talk about it all the time. Like, I mean, I talk about Wheel of Time a lot, but that's because we're doing a podcast on it. We're doing a podcast on it. So. This is a Wheel of Time podcast. This is a Wheel of Time podcast. But there's just some bits of it that it's, like, I can't really put my finger on it. Okay. Like. I think it's I think it's partially because it's it's an early book and so it's yeah. still got some setup and there's still a lot about the world and how it works that is yet to be revealed. And I think what didn't work for me was the Bale Domon and the Bornhold oh, yeah. sections. Because they just there was no segue into them. Yeah. Not the so pattern was... stuff. No, because he was con- he's connected to Rand. Okay. Like, there was just, it felt like all of a sudden out of left field we're on the spray, or all of a sudden we're with the White Cloaks, and they have no connection to what's happening. You honestly could have put all of their POVs in, this, in the previous section. Okay. We didn't need it throughout the book. That's true. It's it, and, it uh, being I'll... throughout the book just confused. If you had just condensed it and did a Bale Domon chapter and condensed yeah. it and did a Bornhold chapter I, I right before this section, it would have been better. Even if Egwene and Nynaeve hadn't met up with them in Falmont, that was enough of like a B plot where you didn't need to. No, I just it the Bale Domon and the Bornhold stuff felt very out of place and it did not connect until the last fifteen right, right. pages. Right, right. What I'm saying is like it, it felt like it had to connect and you didn't realize it until it was connected how it was going to connect. Whereas if Leandrin had taken the girls somewhere else, it would have just been like, oh, oh, okay, well, this is just a plot that's going to carry on to the next book. And I wouldn't have liked it. Okay. Because it felt, it did, it it had no relevance. Okay. Until all of a sudden it had relevance and it just felt forced. Okay. I just didn't understand why we were in their POVs. Okay. And again, like, because it just like all of like, in earlier sections, like, all of a sudden we're in Bornhold, and it's like, yeah, why I are we here? Yeah, I did find myself, especially Bornhold more than Doma. Because he connected to the Padden Fane earlier. He connected to the Padden Fane earlier, and there was others. He had others, the seal. He had the seal. Like, there was other, like, world-relevant stuff that was happening with Domon, and we'd met him before, and he was a, kind of a known factor, whereas Bornhold showed up in a couple of scenes. We, we met him a little bit, but we didn't spend much time with him in Eye of the World. He showed up, did a little bit of stuff, and then died, basically. And the White Cloaks were just inconsequential in this book. The White Cloaks didn't need to be there. 
Right. It at all. The only reason that the white cloaks were there was to corner Rand between the Shan Chan and the white cloaks. That was it. Just as of right now, because I don't have the whole series. Yeah. It feels irrelevant, okay. and I don't understand why we spent time on it. Very, very. And fair. if we had cut it, then it would have been about a hundred pages shorter. That's true. Uh, overall, I actually thought I Great Hunt had a weird place. It's one of the shorter books, although actually Dragon Reborn is a little shorter because we just looked at it. I liked it more than I remembered liking it. Not that I didn't. I mean, I love all of them, even Crossroads of Twilight, which is the worst. But I, there were very, very strong bits. Like, the strongest bits of The Great Hunt were way stronger than Eye of the World. Yeah. The beginning with the Borderlanders, the, the Portal Stone was amazing. Kind of, you see Rand and Perrin... Rand more than Perrin, kind of really coming into his own as, like, an adult. At the end of the book, Rand is a grown person. He's taking charge. He's doing things that he feels like... He's doing things out of a sense of duty and responsibility rather than just kind of, like, feeling like he has to. Which is a weird distinction to draw, but one is more like a child doing chores and the other is a man accepting responsibility. Yeah, it is the difference between like a child doing chores because he knows he's going to get his allowance and an adult doing their own, doing their laundry because they know they have to, to be a productive member in society. Like there's a difference between those two things. Right. Like, cause I'm not going to get an allowance for doing my laundry. So I just do it and I get no reward other than clean clothes. (laughs) <laughs> you can always just buy new ones. Yeah. I could have... I feel like I could have used a little bit more Perrin, actually. Yeah, I could have um, used more Perrin. Which is... This is a good time to want, to want more Perrin. Do we get more Perrin? We get a whole bunch more Perrin. Yes! Let me tell you something about The Dragon Reborn as a book. Uh-huh. For a book called The Dragon Reborn, there is shockingly little Rand. Honestly, I'm kind of here for it because we just had a whole book of Rand. And I'm not annoyed with him like I was in the, in Eye of the World. I think I was just annoyed with being in his POV all the time when there were other things that I wanted to know what was going on. Yeah, they broke it up here. Like like I said with the with the Egwene and Nynaeve stuff, like it was a good B plot. I kind of wish that it hadn't connected so nicely. Like yeah. I, I wish that they had gone off and done their own thing and uh, and been a setup for more things to happen. There are 12 that more was, books. That was a B plot that if it hadn't connected, I would have been like, okay, it's just a B plot. Bale, Domon, and Bornhold weren't even C plots. They were like F plots. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you here? They were plot adjacent. They were plot adjacent, and I just didn't understand. Yeah. But the, like overall, I did really enjoy this book. Be- like the pacing was good. The character development was good. There were moments. It part of it felt like a little bit like a mystery, whereas Eye of the World didn't. I was just like, I'm just being told a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And I can just feel the difference in Robert Jordan's writing in like the fact that I just like I had an inkling about Intar and I had no idea why. Yeah. And I had an, a feeling about Celine and I didn't know what it was, but like yeah. I had a feeling. I mm. caught a vibe and Yeah. So there were more elements of that in this book which just made it more enjoyable. No, I will say that Because then when I got to those points I was like, I knew it. Yeah. I literally like I had gotten to the part about finding out that Celine was land fear right as you were walking in the apartment and I was like, you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say that I do think that The Great Hunt couldn't be the book that it is. Not only because it's the second book in the series, but just like in general, The Great Hunt couldn't be what it is without the eye of the world. 
Absolutely. The eye of the world and the world building that he sets up in it is so solid. It's just such a solid foundation that that's what allows these characters to act in specific ways and for Rand or other characters to be like, this is weird, right? When we get to Kyrian in this book, he's like, okay, well, this is... I, I have experienced some widely varying people now. I'm from a small town in apparently Andor. He didn't know it was in Andor. I'm from a small town. I was in Camelon for a little while. I've spent some time in Faldara among Shinarans, and Kyrian are fucking weird. No, and I mean, I'm not saying that I didn't like Eye of the World, because right. I did. I did like it. If I didn't like it, I probably would have just been like, can we delete our podcast episodes? Because like, <laughs> I don't want to continue with this series. I yeah. liked it. I just, like, the, it was a very solid, like... It's foundation. It's foundation, and I liked it. I might reread it, but, like, I'm not going to be talking about it all the time about how much I love it. No. Like, it's not one of those books that, like, I'm going to think about for a long time. There are bits of the Eye of the World that I really, really enjoy. I really like Rand's, the kind of, like, slow realization that Rand can channel. Mm-hmm. Really good. I see. I didn't really get much of a slow realization. It was all, it was just nothing, nothing, nothing. Lightning. That's weird. Yeah, so he can channel. There wasn't a slow realization. It was okay. just all of a sudden there's lightning, which means Rand can channel because obviously it's not Matt. Because sure. plot. There's no reason that <laughs> Matt would there's no reason that Matt would have this poison dagger and also channel. Yeah. Because why is Rand a character then? Fair. Um but I think that the stronger bits in the Great Hunt are definitely stronger than in the Eye of the World. And they're stronger I think the Portal Stone And I think segment is one of my favorite moments in the series. It's a good moment. I also just, I would say that I think some of the weaker moments in The Great Hunt are stronger than some of the lesser strong parts of Eye of the World. Like, it's just a better book. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. Eye of the World is um, Lord of the Rings (laughs) and is set up. Is there anything else about The Great Hunt? I have something about The Great Hunt. Well, I'll see if you have anything else about The Great Hunt. I don't think I do. Nothing that, like... We haven't kind of already talked about over the past 10 episodes. Yeah. And nothing that won't get brought up when I when we go through our recurring segments. Yeah. The only other thing I want to talk about with The Great Hunt is that this is our first introduction to people knowing that they can channel. We get very different impressions from Egwene and Nynaeve and Rand about channeling. Egwene has more of the, like, traditional approach to Sidar where she surrenders herself to it, and she can kind of feel the swell of power, Mm -hmm. and she's just guiding it. She's in it. She has to let herself be in it, where Nynaeve is angry and has to kind of, like, open herself up to the anger. Yeah. Where Rand is grabbing and holding on for dear life. And hoping it doesn't kill him. Right. Hoping, Hoping it doesn't kill him, and independently of that, hoping that the taint doesn't get him. Yeah. Because... Even when he like even when he's done describing what the taint is doing to him, there's still this like primal struggle for life that is Sidene. Mm-hmm. Which I really like these kind of depictions of channeling and the fact that we're starting to get them now. Yeah. It shows like really just how different like the Rand is on such a different path than every other character. Even among the channelers. Yeah. Well, because he's the only character that we've met so far that is a male channeler. Right. I mean, I'm not counting people who have been mentioned or what's his face? Logan. Logan. Yeah. I'm not counting Logan. Right. He does he's not a person who can channel no. once he was introduced on page. That's true. Yeah. He's so, a husk of a man. Those are the interesting things that I that I found. I, there's it's the wheel of time. I'm probably gonna bring up some more stuff next season about the Great Hunt. 
as I think about it. But those are the things that really stuck out to me this time, or the channeling and then just like some of the stronger bits, notably the yeah. Stuff. There are things that will probably come to mind once I've sat with it for yeah. a month before starting to read The other the thing, Dragon Reborn. I, I just thought of something else. Um, so the Wheel of Time was initially supposed to be a trilogy. Eye of the World, Great Hunt, Dragon Reborn. For a middle, well. for a middle book, this is just a good book. It's one of the best intended middle books I've ever read. Like I read the first Mistborn not too long ago, or the first Mistborn era, and I liked Well of Ascension, but it wasn't that. It, it, it wasn't Final Empire, and it certainly wasn't Hero of Ages. It's the weakest book of the three, and this is I, this is not the weakest book of the first three Wheel of Time books. I can see how you're able to make that assessment. I cannot call it the middle book in a trilogy because the series is not a trilogy. No. The series didn't end with book three, so there, and he had to have known most of the way through writing Great Hunt that he's like, oh shit, I'm like only like, was... I'm only on page four of my outline for this entire series, and I'm in book two, <laughs> so this is gonna be longer. Like, there is no way he didn't know by the he... end of book two that this was gonna be more than a trilogy, so therefore it's not a middle book. Fair. He When he was, he being Robert Jordan, was working on his last book, uh, what became... It got split up and put put across uh, Gathering Storm, Towers of Midnight, and A Memory of Light. He was adamant that it would be one book, even if they had to invent a new binding system for it. Even if it came on a library cart, it was going to be one book. So maybe he did intend it to be three books, and he just really had distorted ideas about what a book is. Uh, or, it, it, I don't, I just disagree, because it's not like... It's not like the, these. it was three books and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, can you write more? It's not like seasons 6 through 14 of Supernatural. Because <laughs> Supernatural was supposed to end with season 5. The I arc think... was over. And so everything after that, like, so so seasons 2, 3, and 4 would be like the middle books. Or like season, you know, it would be the middle book uh-huh. of the Supernatural. But like, it's not like that, where they wrapped up an arc, they kind of filmed a series finale, and then they got greenlit for three more seasons seasons and we're like oh <laughs> shit we're we gonna write now I, I it, think that's it, not what happened here I, I think this book is the book where he he realized this can't be just a trilogy so therefore it's not a middle book and i think the pacing sort of reflects that because it's moving real fast and then he's suddenly like oh wait a second there's all of this other story i have to tell yeah and then like i think it's partially like you know maybe when he started writing the great hunt he inter- anticipated it being a trilogy but sometimes when you write just the story sometimes the story just takes over yeah. And, like, you look at your outline, you're like, all of those scenes don't matter anymore. Like, you can plot all you want. You can be as much of an outliner and you can, like, you can write a draft zero. But then when you go to write your draft one, you're like, there is actually oh, but there's of... this other there's this other storyline that I could do. And then you just write in a completely different book. There is actually sort of a published draft zero of The Wheel of Time hmm. called Warriors of the Altai. It, I haven't read it. I should read it. I mean, I would say the published draft zero is not a draft zero, but... Um, it was published posthumously. Like, published, like, within the past couple of years. Because, like, a draft zero isn't any sort of real prose. It's, like, he a took... weird mix of outline and, like, Harry goes to Hogwarts and gets sorted into Gryffindor. Yeah, and then he s- goes up the stairs and he gets lost because the stairs move. This, but, is, like, an, this is an epic fantasy novelist's draft zero where it's like it's a it's a book it's a story that got very very heavily reworked yeah Brandon Sanderson has done the same thing with uh the first Stormlight Archive book Way of Kings where there's a, there's a Way of Kings Prime which he wrote and is it's an audiobook and it's like 40 something hours long and it got it got narrated it's not canon 
and it got reworked into what eventually became Way of Kings, and some of the stuff got put into other books. Because Brandon Sanderson never stopped writing. I was beating him for half a second for NaNoWriMo this month. Yeah. Well, we're recording this in November. This isn't going to come out until... We're recording this pre-show. We are. I I will have finished finished reading the book before the show starts. So this will be released interestingly. In January. (laughs) I think this episode will be end of December. No, this is January. Oh. Well, I'm just wrong. Um, I was beating him for like half a second in NaNoWriMo. And then the man had to go and write like 8,000 words in one day. And now he's at like 20,000 words. Just like 5,000 words in one day. And then nearly four the next day. Brandon Sanderson. He's going to finish a whole last book. No one has time for this. (laughs) I have time for it. I don't have time for it. My life is crazy. I don't have time for it. But I love it anyway. All right. Let's get back on topic. (laughs) Recurring segments. Yes. Auras. Prophecies in general. We got so we got some sort of new we ones. Got, we've got the Matt Horn thing confirmed. He blew he the is, horn. He blew the horn. He's linked to the horn. Awesome. The three women in Rand's life thing. The three women standing over his funeral pyre. One of them is Min. One of them she is thinks the Min. other one is Egwene. Yep. There is a third woman to not to be undetermined at this current time, which I just think is interesting, as I said, because Elaine has to share her husband with two other women, so there's going to be, like, either two love squares or they're the same love square. Who knows? Or it's just some weird poly... Who knows? Some weird polycule kind of thing. Other than me and probably most of the people listening. Yeah, everyone else knows I don't. <laughs> <laughs> which just also brings me to... This book series is awfully gay for being written by a straight <laughs> cis, a straight cis white man in the nineties. Yep, and it, <laughs> it, it unfortunately has very, very, very few gay characters, but almost any of them could be. Yeah, it wouldn't be weird. I will die on the hill that Matt is a bisexual. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But in the books, no, he's just straight. No, I will die on that hill. He's a bisexual. <laughs> Just because it's not on page doesn't make it not real. Mm, okay, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> different. I think that the prophecy thing also covers the ship updates. Love Square. Yep, it does. Yep, there's gonna be there's gonna be something going on. And um, where is Lan? Where is Lan? And I need more of him in Naive. Uh, One of the, we were talking about the show moments ago, one of the tracks for the show soundtrack is Mashiara, which is the thing that he called Naive. (laughs) Gonna die. I'm going to sob uncontrollably. Yes. Yes, yes. Favorite moments, section and book. So... For the section, gotta be Egwene talking about her dreams of Fabio Rand and, <laughs> and Galad. Yes. I am slightly I am slightly disappointed that we didn't get to see her date with Galad. Yeah. Because they skipped ahead four months. They did. Although it was kind of implied that they never actually went on it. Yeah, but she's also dreaming of him being on a horse, so clearly they've talked she's since She's very then. pretty. But clearly they've had interactions since that yeah, one time. Yeah, interactions are not dates, though. The date could still happen, I... although... This is a very, it would be a very different Egwene. Egwene is no longer the same one. Yeah, it would be. It's, well, they're going to interact because he's probably still at the White Tower, so they're going back. Probably. Yeah, he's going to have a time with the new Egwene. Yeah. What about book? As much as it broke me, Lan giving Nynaeve the signet ring. Yeah. Lan, Mandragoran, everybody. Yep. Mine are Egwene hulking out on the Sean Chan. 
for this action. I like how I like how both of ours have to do with Egwene. Yeah, in very different ways. <laughs> she fucks some she fucks some stuff up. We get the two ends of Egwene. We do. <laughs> we get the like love struck girl and the mini volcano. Yeah. For the book, Portal Stones. I love it. Called it. It's great. It's amazing. Top ten whole series. Yeah. Easily. Top five whole series, I think. That was our normal recurring segments. We have some book recurring segments that are actually recurring now. Last time they didn't recur, they just occurred. Or occurred, I suppose, the actual word for it. Book three predictions. Going into the Dragon Reborn. Rand has been revealed to the world. And the girls are on their way back to the White Tower. Uh, Rand is going to have a time. (laughs) Okay, you're going to have to be more specific than that, because Rand is going to have a time describes every Wheel of Time book. Everyone knows he's the Dragon Reborn now, and he's just going to have hes just gonna have a time with it. People are going to be calling him Lord Dragon, and if he thought he hated people calling him a lord just because he was wearing a fancy jacket, he's going to hate this even more. And yep. I just really hope that Loyal's able to give him some pep talks. Okay, so your prediction is loyal pep talks. Or is no, that just it's, a hope? it's just a hope. Okay. I just, I think that, I, I just hope that Loyal will be able to see him through all of the angsty nonsense that's about to happen. Okay. You had mentioned Els Greenwell, and that you, made me think of... You think she's going to show back up? She, okay, look, here's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> they mentioned, she was mentioned in book one. Uh-huh. They randomly brought her up again in book two, and now she's training to be a nice that I... Yep. She has to be at least semi-important. Maybe she's laying fear. (laughs) (laughs) She shows up, tries to seduce Rand, shows up in a bunch of places where women can channel. Maybe Els Grinwell is laying fear. I'm just saying. No, Selena's laying fear. Why? Why, why she, do that? Why, why is she here if she's not going to be important at some point? Because she can be. Because she's Lanefear, duh. <laughs> I think that Robert Jordan doesn't know what he wants to do with Els Gr- uh, Grinwell yet. So I he's... think Robert Jordan knows that she exists. The man wrote nearly three thousand named characters. He he just has to had to have been like dreaming and been like. <laughs> writing a name in his sleep and he wakes up and he's like oh well i wrote three pages and it's about this girl named els grinwell okay Nah, she's i feel like she's gonna be at least like she's gonna be like one of those like he's she's gonna be like lee jordan in the harry potter books just show up right he's just he's just you know he's a he's like a side 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 character he shows up sometimes he has some relevance in plot but like you could lift him out mm-hmm. and he doesn't really change much of it but you like lee jordan <laughs> You like Lee Jordan. So I feel like Miguel's like Grinwell is just going to be like the other Aes Sedai training person. Like, you need a name for someone? Oh, it's going to be Els Grinwell. Like, okay. So we're going to see more of her. Okay. We're not, we haven't figured out what she's going to do, well, she's but she's going to do, do something. something. Okay. Okay. And Nynaeve is going to use the ring. Nynaeve is going to use the ring. Okay. I know where she used the ring. I won't tell you if it's this book or not. I. If it doesn't happen in this book, I'm just going to keep saying it until in it happens. Every book until it happens, okay. She's Because Min saw the ring above her. She did. Which implies that she uses it. That's true. So you've Very unintentionally true. confirmed that she does actually use it at some point. Have I? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any other predictions? I don't have predictions. I have facts. I know what happens in the next book. You do. Um, We're left in kind of a similar spot where it's like, okay, this is the end of a book. There's more stuff to be told, but like, what is it? Yeah, I think I think Matt is going to have to live with this dagger thing for a little while. Okay. That was something you said going out of the last book, too. I just, like, I don't think we're going to open in book three 
And Matt's just going to be like, dagger free and la-di-da around the White Tower. Yeah. Do you think it will happen in book three or will it take another whole book again? I think it'll happen. I could see it happening in book three. Yeah. I mean... I can see it happening in book three semi-early, but we're not going to open the book and Matt's going to be fine. Right. We're going to either see it happening... I'm also just interested to see how Matt... How Matt's story goes, because he's not with Rand. He's not with Rand. And And so, like, is he just going to stay in the White Tower? Is he going to be a warder? Is, like, what is his... Matt as warder is an interesting thought. Like, what is his path going to be? Because it's not like he's going to be able to go and find Rand and Matt. It's true. Like, he's left them now. He has. And, like, do they ever see each other again? I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. Like, and... Okay. It's a big world. It's a big world. You never know what's going to happen. Matt could could die. Matt could die. Who knows what's going to happen with Matt Trim? You. I know what's going to happen with Matt. I have some ideas of something that happens to him because I've... (laughs) I have a cosplay. Because you have a cosplay and you told me a little bit about it. So, like, there are things I know. You don't know when. But I don't know when and I don't know what they mean. (laughs) Yeah. Or the result. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the... You you know a very little about about what happens. I know the what, but I don't know the who, when, where, and how. Or why. Yeah, or why. Or even really the what. I just really know the effect. Rand and a fiery old dude just fought in the sky. But did they actually fight, or was it like they're non-corporeal beings? Because, like, Rand wasn't actually bleeding out. It was cauterized. But, like... Who knows what's happening? Yeah, there's a whole bunch well, of crazy you know shit. What's I know what's happening. <laughs> That's the point of the podcast. <laughs> I know what's happening. You don't. That should be our new name. Not not the beginning. <laughs> I know what's happening and you don't. I know like, something ha, you ha. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're getting off topic, so let's let's end this episode in the season. This was The Great Hunt, book two of The Wheel of Time. We will be back in one month with season three, The Dragon Reborn. However, there will still be an episode in two weeks because it's time for Will to read another romance novel. What am I reading this time? This time, you are going to be reading The Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels by India Holton. Okay. It is a historical romance. Fun. About pirates, but they're lady pirates. Lady pirates, okay. And their houses fly. Lady pirates with flying houses, okay. So, it's like a historical romance. Flying houses is a historical romance. But there's some fantasy. It's historical. Set in Victoria. Queen Elizabeth, no, Queen Victoria flies flies the castle. It's a, like, there's, it's awesome. Okay. And I think you're, I don't know if you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> I think you might because the. It sounds outlandish, which is, I think, good for a romance novel that I'm going to read. And there isn't, the only plot of the book isn't just the romance. Whereas that's, with Red, White, and Royal Blue, that was the only plot. Yeah, and I did like Red, White, and Royal Blue. You did. But there is, there are two plots going on for the main character. And only one, one of, of it, them is romance. And one of them is romance, and the other is to do with the lady pirate, to do with lady pirate things. Okay. And both of them have their own arcs. They both have like their own midpoints and then their own all is lost moments. Lady pirates aren't as good as I said I unless they have their own vagina island. Do I, they? I don't know. You gave me a look. <laughs> Do they? It's been a bit since I've read the book, so I have to reread it. I don't think there's a vagina island. Okay. Then they're not as good as I said I. But they are lady pirates with flying houses. They are lady pirates with flying houses. And the men stay home with the kids. Okay. So they're like feminist women pirates. Yeah. All right. All right. This was season two. We'll see you in two weeks with that book. (laughs) And in a month with season three, The Dragon Reborn.
Bye. Bye.